welcome to the show, guys. Today I have a super, super cool guest. She's a property investor. Her name is Catherine Brennan. She bought her first property investment in Dublin 22 years ago. Imagine that, guys. And now she bought and invested in uh, Ireland, UK, and abroad, and also survived the recession. Uh, she now specializes in tenant-free strategies such as flips, renovations, and land gain. She also trains people who are looking to build real estate portfolios and also to improve and tweak the ones they have to improve the return. So super excited to have you today, Catherine. Thanks, thanks for doing this. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Thanks. So can we just follow up uh, with your introduction here? Because it's been 22 years now. So can you just talk, tell people uh, your story into the real estate space and what was your first investment? Yes, so the, my first investment, I had moved to Dublin to complete my accountancy exams and I could see already, I suppose, from people who were older than me who were working with me that even in kind of 1996, property in Dublin was on the move. So I bought a two up, two down there, a terraced, what would have been an ex-council house in Cabra for £63,000. So I suppose that's about €80,000. And I actually did really no work to the house. At the time, I was including to buy, refurbish, refinance, and all of this type of stuff. Um, I had tenants living in the house with me, which actually meant I had two tenants. So I had turned it from a two-bed into a three-bed, really. I turned the downstairs into a room. So I actually had no mortgage payments at all. Um, the rent was more than paying the mortgage. And I sold that five years later for 220,000 euro. So without improvements or work or anything, it just was the right time in the market. Yeah. Everything was going up without you doing any work at all. So I yeah. suppose that's, that's when things are easy, that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love I love that. I mean, that's a that's a super great return for a first time investment because you know there's you probably know a lot of people that that turned out to be you know a bad investment. At yes. first. Yeah. The opposite way around. We exactly. spent two hundred and twenty and sell it for eighty. Is yeah. What's yes. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, so so that's why we have you here on the show just to uh, tell people the right information so they won't make those type of, you know, investments and those type of mistakes. Yes. Yeah. So can you, can you talk, talk about, you know, current, uh, market condition now and like, what is the right strategy for now people to use in the current market situation? Well, I suppose, um, strategies, I suppose are different person to person. And I think it's, yeah kind of part personality type in a way. You know, people maybe pick up on age or male or females might prefer different things. But I think too, there's a personality type in it because I hate to have loads of agro responsibilities. So looking back now, I probably wasn't suited to owning 16 or, I'd 16 or 18 units when the crash happened. Mm. I probably would always have been better suited to flips and assisted sales or maybe doing joint ownership with somebody who didn't mind doing the day-to-day -day work and I could have taken over legals and finance. So it's to find your personality type as well as whether, you know, if you're, you need to be in a fairly good job to be able to borrow in the current climate. So you can't just decide I'm going to build a big buy-to-let portfolio if the bank won't lend to you, obviously. So it's your situation, what I would say, plus your personality type, and I would say the strategy that works everywhere at every stage of the market is really is buy, refurbish, refinance. Because if you buy things that are shiny and new and you pay top dollar for them, you're, the only way is almost down at that point. You know, you're not yeah. locking in any value. Where yeah. if you buy things that need some work, you've protected yourself a little bit from a downside. You know, if you can add 20% value is kind of always my mark. And I mean, that's a lot, obviously. But if you can do that and the market goes down 20%, you still don't have negative equity then because that's all you paid for it. So yeah. that, that's, I think, the safest way to protect yourself is to buy things. First of all, location, location, that they're not a wild card, that there's lots of people living there and there's demand, etc. But secondly, things that you can get a bump up in the value almost immediately with a small amount of work. 
Mm, okay. Um, so I think that's one of the safer strategies now because I know people yeah. are becoming nervous again that things in Dublin, say, are evening off a little. Um, mm. But that is one surefire way to make it a little bit safer for yourself. Okay, got it. So, you, you know, talking about that, can you describe like your own perfect? Because we're talking about, you know, buying kind of looking for value add properties maybe distressed properties and adding value you know to increase the rents and can you talk about more about your investment criteria you know when when it comes to finding those properties is there specific things that you look for yes well i suppose i look for the right property and the right sellers because even if you think something is distressed you know if the owner doesn't agree with you you're only going to waste loads of time so you sort of you will be able to identify by the photographs that they're distressed. Um, But if the owner, sometimes owners have very unrealistic expectations, so they're not actually, as we say, a motivated seller yet. You know, they've just listed it. They still think they're going to get full asking price. Um, And they possibly will in Dublin, say, but they won't in Mayo, Donegal, Cavan, Longford. So... I'm looking for people who I suppose want to do a deal and I'm always looking for things that I could exactly add value to that are distressed or that I could add value to but Mm -hmm. then my criteria might vary depending on whether I wanted to let or not so if I was looking for buy to rents now or how the HMOs or serviced accommodation I'd probably go to the cities, but not Dublin, because it ju- I just feel it's very competitive. There's 20 people waiting for everything that you're looking at. Yeah. Where there's lots of stuff people haven't even noticed outside Dublin. And um, so, but whereas I would do a flip anywhere in Ireland, once I could tell that even, even a, a town now that there wouldn't be a huge volume, I'd be fairly confident that when I brought my thing back to the market, it would look better than most. Because as a nation, we don't really stage houses. You know, in America, I think it would be most people stage their house when they get ready to sell. You know, my my niece is is an estate agent in the US and every set of photos you flick through, it's all neat and tidy with, you know, coffee top books left out. There's not stuff falling out of the wardrobes the way you see houses advertised in Ireland. You know, when you begin to flick through daft, there's very little stuff really, really well presented. Yeah. So I would do a flip. My criteria wouldn't be that stringent, actually, for a flip, because I feel like with a small spend, I can be ahead of the market, ahead of the competition, which, of course, is what you want to be, no matter where you are. Okay. Okay. I, I love that. So basically you apply some of the U.S. market strategies when it comes to advertising the property and you apply it here in, in your own flips. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think, I mean, staging is a big thing in America and it's, um, I found from having sold stuff not staged when I was young at less experience and then when things, staging things, when I realized there's not a huge amount of profit in this, it needs to and it's, it has a multifold effect because, first of all, it tends to sell on the first viewing. In fact, I think I, I categorically could say everything I've ever staged has sold on the first viewing. Wow, okay. Secondly, the agent loves to work with you then because they know it's not 15 viewings of the one capture Nastos to sell. Yeah. It's one viewing. So then when you're in their good books, of course, they're going to keep an eye out for other things for you. So it has a really multiple positive effect. Mm, And I would say that staging is something that's very neglected. And most everyone say who, people who say they do flips, they'll all paint and they'll all um, maybe get a house cleaned and painted. But people just don't furnish or stage half often enough. Or worse still, they leave furniture. You know, they leave these awful divan beds with that are sort of a check pattern. Yeah. You know, it will cost around 30 euro to get sheets, a duvet and pillows on that. But yeah. they just, it's, it, it is tedious work. So, I, I know. 
So is it, is it yourself? Like, or how do you do the process here? You know, because probably people who are watching, you know, they get a sense like, man, I can, I can do a flip and don't probably don't even need to spend that, that much of a money, you know, probably like you, you have the strategies, you know, for that specific strategies, how you can do that. And I want to talk about it a little bit later. But, you know, can you just tell people, is it you that are picking the way it's going to look like or you have a designer? Like, who's doing all the yes. process? I'm actually an interior designer as well for my sins. So that is something I went back recently enough, even though I, I, I it, that's, it's quite a long and tedious qualification and there's very little of it you need to know. You know, in the, in the world of Pinterest nowadays and all these, yes. you can get so many ideas. Yeah. I suppose it's... I was actually preparing content the other day now for my course I'm running at the end of June on this and I was thinking people will probably think oh she's overly particular because I'm almost specifying colors of rooms and all of this but I suppose what I want to emphasize to people who are doing the course is it's not your taste exactly it's what's popular at the moment exactly and also what age group people are going to buy this house so mm. say if i'm doing one in mayo if i was operating near me in mayo say i'm from a town not uh, well there's there's not many cities in mayo i a lot of our purchasers are retirees from the uk or abroad and mm -hmm. they want a ready-made house and their style is when magnolia came into fashion you know they're not interested in gray gray beige or as they call it grayish nowadays you know where then 20 somethings are very gray and mustard and sage green and it's like there's another set of colors now but if you're selling it to over 65s then i would go back to the you know magnolia all the light bright colors and the thing is they don't offend anyone where if you suddenly hear that you know, some people go through phases of painting rooms navy and things like this, but they all pass. It eventually goes back to cream kitchens with timber worktops, and I think they're inoffensive to everybody. So you're trying to appeal to as many as you can, but mm. slightly veered towards who you think is most likely. Yeah. Oh. I, I love I love this technique and I know a lot of people appreciate what you just share share with them so again pl please press like for that one for sure you know because like you already like differentiating from everybody who's doing flips and you will have a course coming up which is going to be you know far more in detail what you just explained and yeah. I know that but you, you know like you're looking from a different angle here because as you mentioned if you're going to go on daft you're gonna see it's all plain and simple. All the pictures are the same, taken from the same angle. Maybe, you know, the furniture is the same. So you're looking to differentiate. And again, it, it comes back to the knowing your market. Like who's your buyer, you know, and, and doing, doing a research on that. So I, I definitely love it. So can you just talk people, tell people a little bit more about, you know, when they starting or, you know, in the process of flipping or, you know, real estate investments, where do you see in 22 years, where did you see they make the most mistakes? Um, I suppose look, distractions, you know, it's laser focused, no, no, like no matter what business you're in, you know, pick one small piece and get really good at it. So yeah. I don't believe it has to be the biggest city, the busiest place or anything like that. I think if you really, really know your area, your street, your road, your finishes, I think the fact that hardly anyone is staging actually saves people from the west of Ireland going to Dublin because there's enough there unstaged, unpresented, badly presented, weeds in the garden, bins overflowing. If everyone was at a higher standard, then we'd, you'd actually would have to go outside your zone to find things. Yeah. So when I say have people now on a two-day course, I'm... I would usually start with sort of all the strategies on a pyramid because I know things will distract them when they go home and they'll see a seminar or a webinar on serviced accommodation and then there'll be one on HMOs the following week. So I, I sort of like to work through and this is not for you. Why is this not for you? What strategy are you going to follow and where? Mm. And even if you think, not working you're not going to lift your eyes from this work list for three months 
And then we'll talk about if you feel this really isn't for me. I think the biggest mistake people make isn't even buying the wrong houses. It's doing not starting everything and not finishing anything because they see something else that sounds easier. Everything yeah. is pros and cons. You stick yeah. at it because we will try to work through to say, this is the reason you're doing this. So remind yourself of this on the days that you've nothing to view and you feel like you've no investors. Remind yourself of this and we sort of write out all the tools you already have under the headers, time, money and knowledge. But make sure you see it through. Don't just give up and say, I'm going to buy to let instead. Because then you'll end up doing the same thing with the buy to lets in a year. Yeah. You'll have only You'll have two of them got, and then you'll say, I don't really like this. I should have done service accommodation. So get into big detail with one thing before you add anything else, I'd say. Okay. Definitely. I definitely agree you know, on that one for you. Because we, we spoke before the interview. I mentioned you, the, the person, a guy, an investor that we both know. And, you know, just a quick note from that, like, super great guy, you know. And one thing that I got basically of the, uh, you know, a small talk that I had with him that he's super laser focused on the things that he wants to do. Like, yeah. and, and that's exactly what you're saying. Like he's super focused. He knows what he wants. He knows the areas that he's investing in. He knows what type of properties he wants. And no, and he knows that there's other, you know, uh, you know, property type investments are available, but it's like, okay, this is my niche now. And this is what I'm doing. I, I will be open maybe in the future for, for a different type of investments. But for now, to build whatever the portfolio or whatever your goal is in this specific thing, you have to get super focused. And that, that is so true. Yes. Yeah. So can we talk about one more thing, you know, because uh, sales, I mean, it's, it's a thing that people don't like to hear. You know, and nobody likes the word sales. It kind of, sounds kind of, uh, you know, ugly. But, you yeah. know, how sales is important in the real estate game? I, it's, I think it's very important because there's even a sale in buying a property. You know, you have to sell your idea to the vendor. To It might be through an agent or you might be dealing directly with the vendor. And I know that's a subject of whole loads of training. But you have to even be able to sell your idea of why they'll sell it to you. Maybe a little bit cheaper than they were going to sell it to somebody else. So while I would, I would think I would never consider myself a salesperson. But then I think even negotiating with banks on write-downs is a sales job, really, because I have to convince them that this is the best offer on this table at this time. And I would always point out your other options to people. So if I was going in with an offer below, maybe, I've often bought stuff for less than other people already offered. People say, well, why would they accept that? Because I point out, I won't mess you around. I'm a cash buyer. I'm happy to show you my, the, where the money is coming from. I'm ready to close. This is my solicitor. I want to get in there. And I would even do funny tricks like if they want a 5,000 booking deposit, I'd pay 10. Because you, no one can touch your booking deposit anyhow. Yeah. So it really doesn't matter. It's going towards clothing, but it, it feels like it shows double the commitment. Yeah. And, and oftentimes, and, but I would try and establish what do they want? Do they just want rid of this property? Do they need the money urgently? Are they downsizing? Because you would be amazed. Sometimes people will allow you in to do the renovation before you pay for the house at all. Now, obviously, you should be in a signed contract before you do that because if they change their mind, you've just yeah. decorated their house free of charge. Yeah. But it's amazing when you, I'd say the big sales technique really in the world is find out what the other person wants. It doesn't matter what you want. But if you know what they want and you can meet that, it's often actually not the highest price at all. It's mm. a quick, smooth sale or they might want a private sale. They might just want to get it off the internet. They might be happy to let you in. They might want some extra little fee. Yeah. They might want to sell you the furniture that's in the house separate to the contract because that money is treated different tax-wise. So I think the best technique in the world is find out, figure out what the other person wants. Yeah, and okay. Yeah, it, 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 definitely. 
Yeah, so, sorry, sorry for interrupting, but it definitely makes sense. You know, like what I wanted to ask you, that's what I interrupted, you know, is ever somebody is coming to your course and, and they could be not a personal, like, you, you know, they don't like talking with other people. Is, is that somebody that uh, is still a learnable thing, even for a shy person to get into? Because there's a lot of talking involved into, you know, flipping deals and you have to talk with the brokers, with the, you know, motivated sellers, you know, with your account, like, is it is it for the shy person too? I mean, is the shy person can learn all that stuff? It is. It is. I. I. It is because we. All, I almost have a script, and so the questions are a little bit probing, but not so much that they think you're nosy. And the yeah. thing is, the brilliant thing for the shy person is once you, if you do this three times, I. I usually say to people, three is sort of you're a graduate. When you've three flips, you won't need me anymore. And you will need to lean on me a bit for those first three because you'll hit things that you say, what did she say I do about this again? Am I good to start decorating? But I, the thing is for someone shy, that after three flips, the agent will be doing the questions for you. If you now have a, built a rapport, so you've bought three and you've sold three, of course. They're the same three, but that's six transactions. Mm. So now you at least know one or two agents I hope you don't know six agents or it means that relations have broken down. I would normally give a flip back to the person I bought it off. Mm -hmm. So then they've earned a fee twice from you. So now they're thinking, oh, this is a nice, good person to deal with. So I would hope that then they begin to take over the sourcing for you. So they begin to say, Catherine likes houses on present hill and she likes two or three beds i'm going to telephone her when another one comes in and that actually it becomes far less interactive because i'm quite even though anyone who meets me would probably say i'm very talkative i'm i'm an oddball in a lot of ways i won't put myself on the phone when i don't have to so i have it down now that other people would tend to spot what you like and you, mm. you can actually pay someone to source your deals. So yeah. I, one or two guys who are coming to the course are literally just intend to source deals and sell them on. Yeah, yeah, okay. Now following through. So I think, yes, you can learn the script. Oh, and it yeah. might be good to be shy and to be not too salesy because people don't like to feel they're being sold to, of course. Yeah, well, and you can use your shyness as a, as an advantage too, because what Catherine just said that basically sometimes you need to be shy and sometimes you need to listen what people have to say, and those situations happen because sometimes when you come across probably motivated sellers, if you're just gonna start talking and talking, you know, like oh look, I have this, you know, they would like to listen, you know, they would like for somebody probably to listen for their problems yeah. first, and, and then you can offer them whatever you know you, you offer you yeah. have. So definitely, and this is a learnable skill for everybody. So guys and girls specifically, don't be shy. Because you see Catherine, she, she's crushing in, in this real estate space. She was, she's been doing that for 22 years. So a course is definitely worthwhile to, to attend and learn everything what it takes to, to, to crush the same in the real estate space, particularly flipping. So can we talk about, uh, you know, the investment? Can we talk... Uh, how much money does a person actually need if he wants to start uh, investing or specifically flipping deals? How much capital does he need to have? Not a huge amount of capital. I, I usually say to people, if they can pay for the course, that's, that's everything else pretty much is borrowable. So there would be lots of people with capital with no time or skills. So it's not impossible at all for someone with no money, but the knowledge, say who completes a course and maybe apprentices almost um, on flips. So it's quite, it's not that difficult to pair somebody like that up with someone who has capital, but no time. Say if you had a small, I mean, in a perfect world, you'd have 300,000 on deposit yourself and you wouldn't have to talk to anybody. You could pay a deal packager, to find your stuff, you'd have all the money yourself, you'd have no investors, but that's not realistic for most people. If someone is starting out even with 30,000, they can, they now have enough money to carry out all the works in a house. So they can start to maybe uh, do assisted sales, which are flips that you don't pay for the house yet, or sub sales. So 
really there's lots of ways to get let don't let the money be the obstacle there's lots of investors interested in pairing up with people and sometimes it probably feels like it's the other way around and um, people who are looking for money think there's no money but there is loads of money once you show the knowledge but people aren't going to give a complete novice a couple of hundred thousand euro and um, where i would find it relatively easy to raise money but that's because I have sort of a CV of proper, I can show, and I would always tell people the good, the bad, and the ugly, because they need to know that, you know, this took longer than I thought, or this is a potential pitfall here, because obviously you need to be straight with people, so there's no surprises later. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I love it, you know, because we, we spoke about that before, I mean, the the... The, for to commit for people, it requires time and money, particularly when they're starting in real estate space, they want to learn how to flip. I mean, there's a lot of free courses and all that stuff, but I mean, free free stuff, it doesn't work most of the times. Yes. Or it probably leads you to some, you know, course or product that you will eventually will have yes. to pay. Yes. You know? So it, to commit- say anything for free is worth every penny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because yeah, you exactly. just end up more confused. Exactly, exactly. So just get super focused, you know, stay on one path. You know, if you want to start flipping, of course, the, the money is, you know, you have to invest the money to, to learn from, from people. Because, you know, the, the, as I mentioned, the, the, you know, the free stuff doesn't work. But it's a small commitment. And then you have to come in, which is time. And once you get the knowledge, I mean, then you can go on a field and basically build a track record as what Catherine is saying. Then people trust you with a couple hundred grand and they're like, oh, no, no problem. Go and take it. So, but first yeah. you need to make those type of investments. Don't think that like this is a free content here, guys. You know, and, and uh, you love watching that and you're already probably taking some notes of what Catherine is saying. It's all good, but the course is going to be more in detail. And, and you know, you, you definitely need to go and, and experience what it's going to be like if you've never been to one. So can we talk about importance of having a, a team? How many people are helping you flipping those deals? So what those people look like, how people can find them and how do you structure that team? Can we talk about that? Yes, so there's, I would say, kind of a professional team. So you'll need a solicitor anyhow, and as an estate agent. So obviously you can use the same solicitor all over Ireland. And I have a brilliant solicitor now who's very clued in to say sub-sales and flipping assisted sales. So he's familiar, not all solicitors in Ireland will be familiar with all of these new strategies. And some of them, quite honestly, won't be bothered familiarizing themselves because I think the legal profession it has become quite tough and laborious and the guys who are nearly ready to retire they're not going to be reading up on rent to rent and, and license agreements they don't want to know one thing I would say just on solicitors alone I won't deal with somebody who does work in court and conveyances as well because they're never at their desk when you need them so I would only deal with solicitors who are conveyance solicitors through and through. This, I notice, is a rural Irish thing. They do some work in court. So they might have a drunken driver, a few house sales, some probates. And I, that drives me crazy because they're not in the zone. They're not focused, you see. And they're not in the zone Monday to Friday. You can't access them. Solicitors don't give out their mobile numbers generally, and your sale is hanging there, and the buyer, the seller is telling you they're going to pull out if you don't hurry up and you can't get through. So that's one of my things for solicitors, say specifically. But then in terms of the power team, I've some great guys who've come all over Ireland with me because it's very hard to replace good people. And I often find in terms of actual repairs and work that foreigners are stronger than Irish people. Your, our listeners now might like to hear this. But if you grew up in Poland, Latvia, Lithuania, you don't just become a plumber or electrician. You train all the trades. You have some knowledge of all yeah. the trades. So I, de I have one family who've done work for me often, and there's three brothers, uh, Moldovans. And there is nothing they can't do between them. So they can... They would have at least two trades each. 
So one guy would go outdoors and he's a heavy lifter and he doesn't mind cold weather. There's a guy who's a really neat plasterer. He'll assemble kitchens. And then there's the medium guy who'll do some finishing and he could join either of them. And actually he's my main contact. Um, mm. But it's a joy to have three of them in the one house because it's a, almost a full team. Yeah. Uh, then obviously sometimes you need electric, you need sign off if electricity has been off in a house, that's a common one. Um, and then I have a mother and daughter who would do a lot of cleaning and staging actually. Um, again, Lithuanian will work. They don't say it's Saturday, Catherine, I'm not working. Because you're always in a rush when you're doing a flip. Um, so it's pretty much any day of the week. And they have really, really taken to the staging fantastically. For in the beginning, I would book them to clean. And then she would ask me when I might arrive in the evening. I might have been with clients all day or on the phone trying to get in bank right down. She'd say, what are you doing now? And I, I'd show her and she'd say, oh, I, I, we will do this. And it was fantastic because they would just take over. You'd just mark maybe a large box of stuff. This is for the double bedroom. And it would be done 130% when you came back. So it's finding those people. Unfortunately, it's a bit like dating. You won't hit on them on the first one. Um, so it's finding the people who I suppose are willing to make the extra effort yeah. and who enjoy, take pleasure in getting a job done fast and well. Okay. And how do you how do you recommend for somebody who's just starting in flipping space? How do they find those people? Is it through referrals? Is it, it would it be possible for people who attend your course? Would you able to refer some people to, to those people? Yes, I would. And normally say I would know a landlord in lots of towns. So I okay. would then ring them and get their tradespeople. And and so, as I said, solicitor can be all over Ireland, but the trades, exactly. So, and I'm delighted when I hear of someone who can cover a few slots, because if you've got a separate guy who can fit an appliance, and then a one who can paint, and then a one who can mow the garden, and then, well, that, now you're talking about coordinating a whole team of people, and you're losing loads of time. Yeah. Where if you have somebody, so the less people, the better in this power team. If you have somebody who can do a few things, like the cleaning ladies who can stage, and I mean, they would clean windows and everything, where in Ireland, generally cleaners won't do window. They would start inside and they would start, well, they're not window cleaners, but these ladies will do everything. Um, so the less people, the better, because obviously the less coordinating and the more multitaskers. So yeah. that does tend to be an Eastern European thing, I think. They just have more multiple skills than we have. And, mm. um, you know, they, they're always surprised when I say to them, oh, in Ireland, the plumber is the plumber. And then you have to tell them, they say, oh, but why is he not able to install a cooker? Well, he's <laughs> not. He's, he's not able. Because it's completely normal at trade school to learn a yeah. couple of trades. Yeah, yeah. But that's, but that's what happens. Yeah, that, that's what happens when people follow the books, you know, they follow the books. I'm just going to be just one thing, you know, and, and then, you know, for those people, like eventually, like, oh, my God, like oh, the, these people, as they call the like the foreign people, oh, my God, they taking the work away from me, man. But it's like you need to understand, you need to skill up, you need to have multiple skills, like even if you're really in the real estate, you need to have multiple skills. Which, yes. which eventually, Catherine, you, you have because you finished what well, you finished. You're an accountant. You have like you have some skills, you know, like yeah. that are so valuable to you. And if you're going to yeah. go to accountant, you know, if he's if he's telling the truth, he's lying, he's missing something or not, because you have the, the you know, the skills in that space, too. So like the issue that we're talking about, like finding the right people, you know, and, and because the time is money here in a flipping game. And, you know, if you can refer some people who are, for, for people who are going to attend your event, that would be great because that will save a lot of time and effort for those people. Because at the beginning stage, I think it's, it's hard because you have to focus on all these different things. And, you know, like... Oh, it's, it right is. And you don't yeah. know how much it's meant to cost unless you've had some training. Yeah. So if they pick a 
quotation, you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't know. Sounds too, it sounds too expensive. But then if it sounds too cheap, that's bad also because it probably means they didn't understand and that it's only going to be half done. So yeah. exactly, it's a balancing act. Yeah. But the multi-skill is amazing. And, and it is, I think no matter what you do, it has to be convenient for clients. So it's great if I can say, these three brothers will effectively look after a house completely. And they even joke and say, don't let the Lithuanian woman come till we're nearly finished because then she starts to boss them, you know. <laughs> you need to hurry up, you need to get finished. So, um, it's, but it's trial and error, you know, I've made my share of mistakes. It's not, I, they were not the first people and I've had yeah. plenty of mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's been 22 years, so, you know, mistakes, yeah. mistakes happen. Lots then. of mistakes to Lots practice. of mistakes. So, can, can we talk, you know, I, I know some of the mistakes probably won't be uh, good to remember, but still, can you share your best and the worst uh, investment in those 22 years? Yes, I'm trying to think what's the best. So one of the best, one of the best flips, I suppose, um, is one that um, was I bought in Dublin with the joint venture partner, really, really bad condition. And I suppose what probably was great about it was I, by this stage, had met the three brothers. Um, well, actually, I had only dealt with one of them previously. So one of them used to do all of my small jobs. If it was a paint, small repairs. But then I was given the keys to this house on a Thursday, coming into a bank holiday. And it was a two up, two down again, a terraced house. But all the neighbours had been fly tipping in the back garden. So the garden was full of rubbish, which would all have to come through the house, obviously, to get out. And it was really disgusting. And the kitchens and wardrobes had been pulled off the wall and everything because the bank had foreclosed on us. So I got the keys on, I think it was a Thursday eve, a Thursday afternoon, the say the purchase closed, say. And I again I I'm not optimistic. If I rang an Irish tradesman and said, Are you going to work for the whole bank holiday for the same pay? Well they'd tell me where to go. I rang my main guy, who at the time I hadn't met his two brothers, and he had a look around and he said I'll send for the brothers Catherine I, I, I thought the brothers was a cult or something at the time I was wondering are they actually his brothers or what does the brothers mean it sounds like so I said oh well I'll, I'll go to book in a hotel and I will stay and help and he was adamant no 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 we don't need you come back Tuesday so this was a Friday morning so on the Thursday night even though I had no workmen I went to Ikea, I measured, I ordered the kitchen, um, and I was, I would be really always trying to save money. So the floor of the kitchen, part of the floor was tiled and part of the wall was tiled, but not all of it. They'd obviously put the kitchen in first and then tiled around it. So yeah. I was wanting to buy a kitchen without taking the floor off. So it had to be a very exact measurement. So I got all of that ordered and paid for. I got all my furniture delivered and I met him on Friday morning. So this was furniture now. I got some of it in Ikea, some in, in high quality charity shops. But the reason that probably was one of the best ones was because the guys just took over, even though there was a huge amount of work to do. And they confidently told me, just come back Tuesday, it'll all be okay. Every time I thought of it over the weekend in Mayo, I thought, oh my God, this is crazy. I should be up there. You can't just give someone a house that's falling down and expect them to take care of it for you. Yeah. Sure enough, I went up early on Tuesday morning and the three boys looked exhausted, but everything was done except there was one curtain pole, which was, it was for the side of the front door. So it was one of those curtains that's only about two feet long that was literally the only job not done on about 25 items and bearing in mind English is not their first language I'm leaving a list of things in English I left a full kitchen with all integrated appliances remember so there was electrical connections on all of those and and I said oh you you won't be able to manage the instructions no, no, we, we're okay, we'll figure it out. And it was absolutely transformed and the skip was exploding at the seams in the front garden. So right. literally, I had only a half day myself. 
of what I found very interesting about that house is it was purchased for 130,000. We spent about 8,000 because the kitchen had all integrated plans. It was a very nice spec kitchen. And that included the guy's labor and all painting, cleaning, new carpets and furniture. But the interesting thing is a lady bought it for 197,000 then on a first viewing. But that lady had viewed it when it was for sale at 130. That's the thing I find most fascinating. And she didn't buy it. She didn't offer because the appearance of it put her off. So I'm thinking it's crazy she could have bought it for 130 and spent eight, but she obviously couldn't see the potential. Yeah. Was happy to pay the extra. Okay, okay. So so seeing seeing the potential, seeing basically the a diamond in a rough, that's sometimes yes. an issue for people. That's one of the mistakes that people do probably. They they just don't see the potential and they probably well again that's that's coming back to finding a, a right team of people. Because you probably have, you know, multiple thoughts in your head. Oh, my God. Are they going to do good work? What's going to happen? Maybe something bad yeah. will happen. Like, you know, and that, that's, the, that's the problem here. But can you talk about the, the best? That, so this is the best. Sorry, this is what the best. Yes. The, the, the worst. Because I remember you told me that was a very interesting story. You know, if you can share yes. that with you. So I was approached a couple of years ago by a guy who became a joint venture partner. But he'd already bought a house again, without any real training or gold mine area or any of that figured out, he bought a house that he felt was a bargain. And he had, he had managed to flip it in a way. So he had resold it without doing any work. Mm -hmm. um, and he had made a small profit, maybe 15,000 euro. But just as the sale was about to go through, and so it was still technically his house, somebody set the house on fire maliciously. So he then comes to me to say, I think I'm in a bit of a mess. I think I need your help. So it turned into a complete nightmare job because anyone who's ever been involved in a fire will know there's all decontamination then. And it's, it's not just a cleanup, it's a specialist cleanup that's really expensive. Yeah. And it was decided that he would have to we were, we would, I, my immediate thought was we'll just give the insurance proceeds to the new owner and let them fix it the way they want. But they said, no, we want what we signed for. We want the house delivered the way it was a week ago. So it was a really tough area. And if I had looked at the house at all myself, I would have known we couldn't work there. That you, there are areas in Dublin where you're just not allowed to work if you're not a local. Wow. So... I went and found a specialist fire and flood company and they, they worked for about, we must have spent two days hashing out costs and prices and they only lasted about two days. And then they rang and told me they were jacking in the job. They couldn't work there. Their van had been broken into. Another time they looked out the window, there was somebody jumping on the bonnet of the van. So I was at my wit's end and they had to go in and lock. We had to get all shutters, steel shutters on the windows and you had to lock yourself inside to work. And this was in the pitch dark, as you can imagine, because the windows were shuttered. Yeah. Um, so nightmare, then they left and I eventually had a brainwave. I would ring, I said, who would know what to do here? Because clearly I don't know what to do. and this is what it is, it has to be done. There's no point complaining he made a very bad buy here. So I rang Dublin City Council because I figured they must have houses out here. There, must, there has to be a housing requirement. There's definitely high unemployment because they're all sitting on the back of my garden wall all day. So sure enough, they said there's only one guy who can work on that road. This is his name and number. And again, he, the right person for the right job. He was a godsend. He just completely explained, it's, this is what it's going to cost. It costs extra. We are actually paying protection money, which you think is a myth, but it's not. And um, this is how much it will cost. This is how long it will take. And he was an absolute dream to deal with because he was used to it. It wasn't terrifying to him. Yeah. Where it was a nightmare to me. <coughs> but he got it done. We got rid of it again 
and the lesson was learned, I suppose, not to buy things without fully investigating yeah. where they are. And is there any, is it just too tough of an area? Exactly. It could sound like, oh my God, like 20% return or whatever the amount of money you might get from this deal. Yes. And it's on, it's on, it all might sound good over the phone or whatever, but if you don't physically go and, and look at the property or, you know, like stay, you know, go there in the morning, afternoon, at night, over the weekend and see what it's like over there, like physically. Of course, like this is this is definitely for people to pay attention because it, there is it, like there is areas within the areas where, where you definitely do not want go do, do do not want to go. And of course, for for those people who are going to be starting, those deals might be attractive because you know the money is going to be like so cheap. So the people might get you know attracted by that cheapness. Oh my God, it's so cheap! Like it's you know, but they don't they don't pay attention to all all, all the costs and overheads that might occur. Like these type of problems happen in real estate and, and, and Catherine is telling you like, be careful, like know the exact location, like where you're investing. This is super important. So nice. thanks for sharing that, by the way, you know, I, I know sometimes it could be a little bit painful to remember those other things, but again, it's a, it's a lesson, lesson, you know, curve. Oh, a lesson learned. Exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. So can you, can we talk, you know, we mentioned, um, we spoke before and you mentioned a little bit about the current market situation. Uh, everybody's talking about the recession, like upcoming, you know, crisis again. So what, what contingency plan would you recommend for people if, you know, let's, let's say they have a five year exit strategy, uh, or, you know, they, they, they planning maybe, you know, flip, I don't know if you, maybe you can talk about that. If yes. you're not flipping, if you're just keeping the property, you're going to, you know, let it rent and maybe you're looking to get, you know, the property to appreciate over time to sell it, but the recession hits. And you see the, the house worth that just tumble down and, you know, you, you have to wait five years or whatever. Or particularly for the flips, what, what strategy can people use if, if they see that the time just shifted? And, you know, I, I took too long, too long time, you know, on, on a flip. What are you now? Like, what's the option? That's, yes, that's why I feel, you know, uh, my course is kind of geared around people said doing three flips a year to try and replace their salary. So then I'm allowing three to four months. But I really think you cannot afford to be longer than that because the market can change. Even somebody could release brand new houses, of course, next door to you when there's, and they seem attractive to people. They're beautifully furnished. But I think if you're in the buy to let zone and you think there's a recession coming, like I would be quite concerned for people buying in Dublin now, new entrants to the market. And I know one or two people would ring me and say, Oh, I'm just checking in. I'm not into flips. I'm buying my buy to lets. I have a big credit line with ICS, and you know, because they're considered attractive to lend to. Say so they're maybe in technology and jobs that are well paid. Yeah. Losses are quite high now in Dublin. You know, they're not a million miles off where it crashed before. So they're paying big money. Yes, they're big yields, but they uh, will the yields be enough? If the, because the yields will drop, you know, it's not yeah. like in the UK they say rents went down 20%. Some of my rents went down 60% and they couldn't wow. even pay at that. But the thing that's different now is I think rents are very high, even if they have But you would want to be up at 10, 11, 12% rental yield to survive a recession hmm. because you still, you won't get interest only in Ireland in the main that you have to be able to pay your capital and you need to be i suppose in a job that's recession proof you have yeah. to think about gosh if you're a civil engineer and you're buying a load of houses or you're a site foreman and you're buying a load of houses now now you've put a lot of eggs in one basket because that's mm. the same thing almost and um, whereas if you're working in google google will go on whether it's talking about the recession and you have houses, at least then your job will be stable probably. Yeah. Um, but I'd say you need high yields to just keep your head above water. Um, and for flips, don't hang about too long. Because even if you viewed something and it's taken you maybe three or four months to buy it, before you close, you should really go back and do your due diligence again. If it's three months, because things could have changed. When you bring back the agents, they might say, actually, I haven't sold anything since I spoke to you, Catherine, three months ago. It's been dead. It's been 
poor compared to. But I think people don't do that. They've maybe invested so much time to wait for another crash because there'll be bargains again. And the fact that loads of loans are owned by vulture funds now, they're going to have to start selling all of that stuff off urgently. And there'll be lots and lots of below market value available. Yeah. So I'd be, I'd be loath now to pay top price for something at this point, because I don't think we have a million more miles to go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. That makes total sense. <laughs> okay, thanks, thanks for that. You know, uh, like, what do you recommend for people? Because they could find themselves, let's say, you know, I'm, I'm start flipping now and, you know, I'm just keep going. I'll find myself in that momentum, you know, stage, whatever, just keep going, keep going. Where, where do you know where to stop? Because just to find, just how do you keep, keep yourself updated with the right information just so you know when things start like shifting? You know, because you, you've, been, you've been in real estate 2007, 2008. Yes. So, and you've been probably, you know, purchasing the properties. Yeah. yeah. And we were so spoiled. You never had to ask any. You didn't have to do any work or refurbish or yeah. change. They just went up and up and up and up. It was booming. Yes, even that house I paid 63000 for, that had only been 25000 two years earlier. The lady who used to sit beside me at work said, oh, I, I can't believe anyone would pay 63000 Which Then they were 200 plus, as I say, a few years later. I suppose the warning signs, that's, that's just one advantage of being old. There aren't many advantages of being pre-recession. But is identifying houses still aren't as expensive in Dublin as they were at the peak of the recession. So they're still off that. But the thing is that the, some of the demand falls away. That We all comfort ourselves saying, but the people have to live somewhere. So they'll have to rent. But actually they don't. Loads of them will go home. That's, I suppose, the piece I had never thought of this. Mm. What percentage of the population will go home? Or we'll maybe have to leave college. I had students in one house. Maybe they're going to have to commute home. Maybe they can't afford to live in Dublin anymore. Maybe they're yeah. going to have to take the train home in the evenings. Yeah. And what? So I think to sort of prepare yourself, you need tight rules and high rents and be ready for the bar. Like the flippers, I'd say don't go mad. One at a time, especially if you're a beginner. Most people who are flipping as long as I have would probably have moved on to bigger deals. But what I've actually done is I said, I'm going to reclaim some of my time. So I spent three or four months a year in Portugal and I have now myself set up that I can be away and do a lot of my work. Whereas a lot, someone with my experience who was 15 years younger than me probably say, oh, I want to do one flip every month. But to me now, that's when the wheels might come off the bus because you lose your focus on one of them or you'll have too many and you'll miss something and suddenly one won't resell. If you just do, well, I've two going on at the moment, but one is sale agreed, one is about to close and the other one is just about to hit the market and they're not in the same place. So they're not impeding on each other. If I had 10, I'd be damn sure I'd probably have missed something on one of those. So I think it's harder to scale when there's any wobble. Whereas if there was a full-blown crash and you thought it was the bottom, then I'd start buying them like crazy because there's always people panicking, selling stuff cheaper. Yeah. If they could afford to sit tight, it would come around again. But of course, maybe the bank won't let them sit tight. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see really in a way because it's crazy to think that we could have another recession and we haven't sorted out the last one yet. Yeah. You know, this just wouldn't happen in the UK because they'd have repossessed all the houses in three to six months. Yeah. We have people who haven't paid a mortgage for five years. And then if they suffer an income and drop or, or something, there should be stuff really cheap. We'll be almost changed over to a nation of renters then. We'll have a whole generation of people who can't buy. Yeah. Um, if, they don't want to buy, yeah. Again, yeah. Yeah. So, so, so that, that, that makes total sense because, like, I think it comes down, I, got, I just got a sense of that, that it comes down to a couple of things. I mean, having a right strategy, 
and you know just like looking what's going on around because you know like i mentioned before when i introduced you that you survived the recession so here you go guys this is this is a quick story of basically how do you survive you just pay attention to what's going on you, you don't go crazy on things and you know like like Catherine will be available to you i guess after the course anyway you know like for people to yeah. contact you and ask you know questions kind of a mentoring thing you know and yeah. uh, if people would join, you know, I don't know, uh, there's some property, you know, meetup groups, you know, where, where they will surround themselves with the right people. Because, again, you know, the, the thing that we spoke before, they can get distracted by some other things that go on in life. And, you know, yeah. like we all get distracted all the time. So just staying focused on onto that and paying attention to what's going on. And, you know, definitely because losing money is no fun. And, you know, at the same time, thanks for sharing because there's a lot of people who are going to be watching. And there's a lot of people don't have a clue like they, that recession is going to happen. Do you know, Catherine, how many people I talk with and everybody's saying, no, it's not going to happen. It, it's past. That's it. It's not, it's not coming. And they're speaking with such confidence because they're not in a real estate market, but they're buying houses. They're buying houses from themselves. And, you know, those people end up as motivated sellers at the end who are, you know, desperate to sell the properties. And at the same time, this is what the interview is for, just to get those people attention saying, you, instead of buying a property for yourself, you should be getting onto course with the Catherine and, and start flipping them. That would make more yeah. sense, you know. So, but it, it's yeah. up to the people. So, but can we talk about uh, real estate technology? Because now I'm receiving your emails, by the way, I said that, I love them. Yeah, great, oh, brilliant. Great, great insight. Great great insights so really appreciate that for sending me that people can can go into your mailing list also can you just describe the technology that you implemented now through all all those years that help you in real estate yes so um initially i would have done everything manually but i have now started to use mailchimp to do updates so it's it's brilliant because even if I only had three inquiries every day about training say and i might have two about insolvency just even to get five separate sets of information sent out would, would take maybe two and a half, three hours because you have to change your brain, attach this, attach that. Where I now have MailChimp set up that anyone who wants to join the mailing for, say, Flips Assisted Sales, yep. they get their own stream of information that's relevant to that. They get a free guide on how to replace your salary with three flips a year, and then they'll get content relevant to that. And then I will follow that up with another stream, which is completely just people who want to invest money. They don't want any hands-on involvement. So that will be just deals to do with them. So MailChimp is brilliant for that. Um, I would tend to use Trello for kind of just tasks lists, even though because I have it on the phone and the laptop, I still write out every day my tasks and I'm always changing about how I write them out. Because I would have initially all, I'd just write the day and i not even really particularly the order of importance. Now I've started to write on the top of the pages, focus tasks or IGTs as I call them, income generating tasks. And the idea is to put those front and center because you could be all day chasing around doing bits of admin and bits of things that aren't actually a deal or they're not a customer, they're not anything. You're just and being busy, then, yeah. Oh, just silly busy. Um, and then secondly, I have things that I need to get done and then I've called separately. So when I get fed up with being really focused, I'll hit a couple of the calls and clear them. But it's a disaster to go from one thing to another. So I use Trello, but then I sort of pluck off what I feel I get done in one day and write it down because I just enjoy ticking them has done too much to stick to Trello. Um, I use F Facebook Lives an awful lot now for just putting out information. Because I think people prefer, they're easier than reading stuff. We're all fed up of reading and haven't to go down the whole page. People tell me they listen in the car and they don't need to see the face. You know, they just put the phone on loudspeaker. Yeah. Um, and then I'm all... So I've called scheduling set up and lots of these things so I can schedule Zoom calls particular hours of the day. I actually did my first phone consult now last week 
that instead of negotiating with the bank for someone, I just set a time with them, a meeting, they were able to log on, organize it themselves, pay me up front, and they sent me their information and I'd already reviewed it and I went through a strategy with them and they'll solve their own bank negotiation for a fourth of what I would have been charging them if I had to do it for them. Um, yep. Which is great. Um, yep. So that all the various technologies are absolutely brilliant. Yeah, well, it definitely helps. Uh, you know, it just uh, helps in real estate space, definitely, you know, to, to take... Well, it's, it's less stressful now to do all these things because all the technology... It wasn't there probably 22 years ago when you started, you know? No. So everything it, it is... It was so daft when I started yeah. buying. Like, it was just my home. Yeah. It's even strange to think that daft has really probably passed out my home now for yeah. most people. Yeah. And, and that's... I mean, I mean, technology is good, but sometimes you need to stop relying 100% just on a technology because... It's it's brilliant to see people like yourself and you know with all this experience because probably you know some people are watching and thinking like oh my god I, I don't can, I don't even know half of the stuff that Catherine is saying like what is it talking about like I need to go and Google all that yeah. so it's because you what you did 22 years ago there was no technology so back in the old days I remember you said you still do that until today you just go and walk the property you take pen you take a pad and you just start taking notes. And now people are relating just on a Google Maps and they don't go and they don't see the properties. They don't get a feel of it. They don't see the neighborhoods anymore because now it's all online. I'm just going to read the reviews or whatever, you know, do the internet kind of a, that's where people start relaying and that's yeah. where the problems start to show up, you know, because. Yeah. yeah Unfortunately, you cannot drink Costa coffee and just sit at your desk. It's a little bit colder and messier than, I used to always say, call to the local guard station. If I was buying a house in an area I didn't know, I would call into the guards and they're really helpful. I mean, if anybody knows if there's problems in an area, that's, that's who knows. Yeah. But I would say that to people nowadays, they'd say, what? You call it, but it's not the guard's responsibility. Like, so I know, but they don't mind at all. They have all this knowledge, and most people are happy to share what they know. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And you definitely need to call guardies and make sure that you're buying in the right location, you know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, that's, that's awesome. I love the old information. There's, as you guys see, there's so many, like, details involved into flipping, like, so many different things that you have to know. But thank God, Catherine is have the upcoming course available, which I want to ask you some questions about that. Uh, can, you, can you just tell people um, where they can join your upcoming course? Is it going to be physically or people can join you online as well? And what are they going to learn from that? Yes, well, both things. So we have a physical course the 29th and 30th of June in Athlone, which is two full days. Um, I do intend to put that online also in the not-too-distant future, but obviously there's a great benefit to being there physically because of the networking with other people. Because lots of the people who are booked already, and that's a limit of 20 people, and we're probably 60% booked now. Okay. Um, because I, I, it has to be, it can't be 60 people or they won't get all their questions answered. So 20 is about the maximum to actually bring real value to people and for them the idea is that the, whatever experience they arrive with, that they leave with a full business plan to get moving on. What steps do they need to do to get, say, three flips a year to start with? Um, and, and, of course, what not to do. But don't be distracted by this, that, and the other. But lots of the people who are coming are telling me, well, I'm going to have time and knowledge, but no money, or I've money, but I've no time. So people are look, looking to meet joint venture partners at these things. Um, I'm probably, um, the, one of the other things is that I will do joint ventures with anyone who brings me one who has completed the course. The reason I suppose I need them to have completed the course is I know that, that they do recognize what's a deal and what's not a deal, what will never yeah. sell again. Because yeah. if you just, invite people to bring joint ventures to you and um, there'll be so much stuff that's not suitable you wouldn't even get them all reviewed in a day so it, yeah. it means we've a criteria which we both understand has been met and um, 
So we will be online too, but it's not as good, obviously, as being in the room with other people and the energy and the chat out of that. And it would be lovely to get people from all over Ireland so that it, to me, it's not ideal if there's five people in Donegal and no people in Mayo or no one in West Me because we don't all want to be chasing the same flips. And it is a flips assisted sales by refurbished refinance. So at the moment, the people are, are kind of evenly distributed. But it would be nice to see people then from the counties that aren't represented there. So anyone can send me a private message at all who's wondering if it suits them or um, it's Catherine Brennan Property on Facebook with no gaps so they should be able to find me there. Yeah, yeah you can guys you can go and, and scroll down and find, find oh, all the links down below yeah. Brilliant but it's it's there's great energy in the rooms that these get togethers that you, uh, you lose that online but obviously some people are living abroad and they'll have to listen online and um, but there's great networking and people knowing people who, you know, this week alone now, I was sent two deals to two different people, not even in a formal way. They just don't suit me. I had a landlord in Cork who is too much on his plate, and I was able to refer him to a guy who does rent to rents and is happy to take on a challenge, and he'll take over two of his units. Um, and then... There was also a flip um, down in Kerry. Wouldn't suit me. It's too far away. I don't have a power team there. Um, but I knew someone, and that's the benefit of the network, I suppose, yeah. is you know somebody, it will suit. Oh, definitely. Definitely agree with you. Because you know, if you're not happy about your net worth, you have to change your network. You know? if, yes. you want to, if you want to live a little bit better life that you're living right now, you're complaining every day, you're not happy, but you want to get involved in the real estate space. I mean, hey, Catherine, been 22 years successfully throughout all the recessions, successfully investing to, till this day. And now she combined together all the information, all the, all the basically experience that she had, the ups and downs, you know, she experienced and packaged into the course so you can go and have more ups than downs, you know, than she had, you know, throughout all these years. So I really appreciate, you know, the, the time and effort that you put in, like the, the value of the information here is just crazy and people can sense that. So just guys, imagine that the, the information that you're going to get from the course is just amazing. Definitely go and check it out. The links are down below for Catherine's course. Contact with her if you have any questions, you can contact her personally, right? And uh, yeah. ask her, as, you know, any questions that you would like to, you know, to ask. Maybe you have a deal. Maybe you need more information. So she's always available. So just so grateful to have you here, Catherine. I know, I know you're coming back soon to Ireland, which, you know, yeah. that means the weather is going to change a little bit for you. But don't worry. It's, it's not that bad. That's <laughs> day, you know. So really super happy, super happy to talk with you. And I hopefully see you, you know, soon in Ireland as well. So we can meet up and, and you know, have a coffee and talk some deals as well. Okay. Yes, brilliant. Thank you okay. very much. So, so this been a money show with uh, Catherine Brennan. Again, go and check it out. The links down below for her upcoming courses. Contact with her. And I'll see you in the next episode, guys. Take care.